near-death experiences, and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. What do I need to do to change my attitude? What do I need to do to change my life? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today's guest, Jason Criddle, is a motivational speaker, prodigious writer, and successful businessman. His, he had already committed to losing weight and realizing his career potential when he suffered a heart attack and in the process experienced an NDE. Jason, welcome to NDE Radio. How's it going? Thanks good. for having me on. It's good. Finally, uh, we're able to uh, get this whole Skype thing set up here in Castine, Maine. Um, yeah. I uh, opened with two questions that you asked in a motivational video online that I watched. Uh, tell us about what it took to change your attitude uh, and uh, how your NDE played a part in the process. You know, I... Um it's really funny. I don't. I don't know if I motivate people. I'm still curious if I motivate people. Uh, I think I help people see a different side of things, and that and that's usually what motivates them or inspires them to keep going. But um, uh, my my life, you know, when I was growing up, I was dealing with uh, creativity, and I was dealing with always changing my mind, and I was dealing with. Um, uh, an entrepreneur, artistic, very outside of the box thinking mindset. That's just that's how I, I view things from the time I was a child. But but I also learned as a child that we are limited to society and what society has built for us. And so everybody drives and goes to school and goes to work and goes home and they just do this cycle. And even when I was a child, I uh, I didn't agree with it. And, um, you know, I read a lot of books and I grew up always thinking outside of the box, but I never really acted outside of the box. And, you know, it was was after I started having problems with my heart and after I had a heart surgery, it was not an open heart surgery. They actually um, uh, sent electrodes of a couple of main arteries. Uh, mm-hmm. through my legs and then they work, you work in the hospital and I'm sure you know more about it than I do. Um, bypass know, surgery, and, uh, it sounds like. Yes, yes. And so, so that is, uh, they said they were, uh, uh, killing some tissue or rewiring some nerves, um, something like that. Uh, not a part of my life that I take a lot of time revisiting, you know, but, uh, mm-hmm. But over the course of months, I spent a lot of time hooked up with halter monitors, constantly trying to figure out what was going on with my heart. And I had been to multiple hospitals, visiting multiple doctors. And I found out, uh, I found out in this time that you can come across doctors that have never seen certain things. And you can come across doctors who have, and that's how Doctors become specialists and they open up special schools and special studies because they witness something and then they make a career out of fixing that problem. I had seen 60 doctors that had no idea why I was in the amount of pain that I was in. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then finally, uh, I found a doctor who did, and he understood, and he gave me a surgery. Now, did and, your heart did your heart actually stop? How did you happen to have your near death experience? So, after during this time that I was in my hospital for surgery. Uh, and then after the surgery, they, the surgery itself caused, uh, about two dozen pulmonary embolisms. So a whole wow. bunch of blood clots filled my lungs and, uh, they got really scared. So, uh, this little process, they were taking blood from me over and over and over and over and over and depleting my body of blood and fluids and, um, they were also pumping magnesium sulfate into me. And mm. one night, a nurse, uh, she was depleting the bag of, I guess, the IV, the fluids, the standard water that they give you. And yes. as she was walking out, I looked up and I watched this bag of magnesium sulfate deplete. And oh. my body changed. Like, I'm sitting here trying to think about it. Like, I felt everything that was less because I was already so weak from everything that had been going on in the, like the prior week. I just felt everything fall out of me. My body got really hot and I stood up and I, the only thing that I could really, the only mission that I had in my mind was, I need to go find my nurse and tell her that I died. And so I stood up and I started walking towards the door and I realized like, I'm just me. I'm just me. Like I, you know, and I look back on the bed and I see me laying there. And whenever I saw myself laying there, that's when everything clicked, I guess that what was going on. And so I started to blink, just like we normally blink. Uh, just like we normally blink whenever we are doing anything else. And every single time I would blink, I would, I would get a hold of what I would call a glimpse. And whenever my eyes would close, I was, I was, I felt like I was traveling through a few different places. I was, completely aware that I had left my body and that my body was laying on the bed. And then felt I felt as if I was a spirit traveling through this room that needed to go and tell my nurse what was going on and start walking towards the door. And then every single time I would blink, I would pull into this moment of everything. And so whenever I would experience this moment of everything, it was like, Every dream, every imagination, every thought that I had ever had, things that I could have, or could have, or things that I should have, or it was just so much at once. And, you know, when we were talking before, I described it as this, this feeling of this, like this absorption coming into my mind. And so I'm walking through the room towards the door, and then I'm catching these glimpses of, of, just beauty, eternal everything, feeling, emotion, like goosebumps pouring down my body. And then I would take another step towards the door and I would blink. And I would take another step towards the door and I would blink. And I would take another. And 
So this kept going for what felt like twice as long as I've been alive now. And, uh, and then whenever I finally made it to the door, I was waking up on my bed with three nurses in front of me asking me if I was okay. And I was screaming and the light burned so bad. Everything just hurt. And I don't know if it was the magnesium sulfate or coming in to back into what I just came out of, but everything in my body just hurt like I did not want to be there anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And so and I think that's what propelled me was just, it was almost like a, a clarification of, <laughs> of the, the society and the life that is built for us as a trap. And we have this other thing that's so beautiful and it's so amazing and it's right there in front of us, but we're so limited by what we've been told we are, you know, like our entire yeah. lives. And I figured at that point, there must be a reason why, there must be a reason why I've encountered so many problems with the things that we are dealing with today. And there must be a reason why I have the capability to come up with solutions to those problems. And there must be a reason why I am the one that's crazy and and stubborn enough to think that he can get it done. And what happens to me in the hospital when this rush of everything happened is I just realized I have to be that guy. Like, I'm appointed to be that guy, you know? There's something inside me that just kicked me in the ass and said, you got to be that guy. Mm-hmm. You can do something to really change the world, but you got to get out of your own damn way. And from that point on, I got out of my own way. Wow. Now, did you tell anyone about your experience right away? Oh, I, I, yeah, I told, you know, I told my mom, I told the girl I was dating at the time. Um, I talked to the nurses about it. I got my heart surgery for free. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> they'd made a big so, mistake there. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it, there was a lot of blessings in disguise. And, you know, I even, I even had, you know, um, I, I, I just, I was so damn happy. You know, from that point on, like, and it, and the really the only thing that really changed was me, you know? And it's like we were talking about yesterday. The only time that I don't feel like this guy that wants to make change and that wants to do things and that wants to, you know, that, that wants to write more books and that wants to do, you know, the only time I don't feel like that guy is whenever uh, I'm stuck in a line at the grocery store or, you know, whenever you're driving in the car and you drown out and you forget that you're driving, you know, it's just these like little moments that society is built for. So I just try to spend as much time as I can talking to people and getting to know people and, 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 and writing books and helping people and helping businesses because that's what 
whenever I am doing that, that's whenever I see the possibilities of this utopia that I got to experience. And so I just always want to be working for that for me and for my daughter, you know. You wrote in one of your books, I'm awake, I'm alive, almost, you may even have capitalized it. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because sometimes we're most uh, aware and excited about our lives when we've had a near-death experience and we've actually died for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I, um, you know, and, it, and it's really funny because from that, I've, I've had these emotional experiences. And what I mean by emotional experiences is not like... Uh, you know, like not screaming or crying or anything like that, but I believe that a lot of our power and our feeling comes for, from the emotion that we put behind our intent whenever we're trying to get something done. Mm-hmm. And there's been quite a few times, you know, I even write about it in a book that I have that's coming out later this year, um, where I can stand here, I have to take off my glasses, of course, and I've I've kind of realized through this that our glasses are a lie. Um, we don't have to see everything so clearly through our eyes to get across what we're trying to get across, you know? Mm-hmm. But I can shift out of this reality now. It's almost like I, I go into this blurred vision where, uh, you know, where somebody would go to try and see an aura or get whatever we've read about, but it's almost like you know, I can separate energies in the room almost to where something becomes completely lighter or something becomes completely dark. And, you know, but those things have happened quite a few times when I get this in, into this emotional state. And every single time it happens, it gets me more excited to where I feel, you know, and so when you said I'm alive, it, it was right. funny to me because I remember recording a video and people on Facebook were like, you're crazy because I was like, screaming in front of the camera, I'm like, oh my God, I just had this crazy realization last night about what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And I recorded <laughs> it on camera and I shared it online and it was, you know, but I love those moments and, and I believe that we all have those moments in us and that's who we are each and every day. Right. Uh, we have you, we have barriers in front of us. You ask us to ask ourselves, are we the cause or the effect in our life? And uh, I thought... We're probably both. I was wondering what what level of reality are we talking about when you ask that question? Well, I think you know. I, I think there's a couple of different things that go on. We were we were taught very simplistic forms of cause cause and effect. If I if I throw this basketball into the hoop, then I make a point. But then at the same time, we're so interconnected at all times that. I would have to ultimately throw the hoop into the basketball goal in order for everybody else to stay in synchronization with everything else that's going on, right? It would have to be this part of this bigger something in order for that to make any sense. But, you know, I was at this sales training the other day, and I was talking to, I was drawing a big circle on the board, and I said, most of us live our life like this, in this circle. And so if you just look at this circle, somebody wakes up and they go to bed. Whatever they do in between, and everybody else is doing that, if you have a huge percentage of the world doing that, that huge percentage that's going in that circle, they are setting themselves up for random things to happen to them because they're always following the same circle every single day. And so that's how you can affect 
massive amounts of people. You can make random things or certain laws or certain changes in society affect so many people because they're all doing the same thing. So they are causing the the effects of their reality, you know, like, but they, they, they are having to deal with the effect rather than causing the effect. Whenever you live a life of randomization where like an entrepreneur, an artist, somebody who thinks outside the box and doesn't live in the flow of society, they're living and they're backing up and going forward and crisscrossing and everything so much that it's almost impossible for something random to happen to them. So that's the reason why they tend to get further ahead in life. They are more apt to be successful than a person that would think inside the box and just live their life in the box or in the circle. So that person will create effects on purpose. They won't be affected by what's going on. You uh, you wrote, I think, the average person thinks less than twice a year, which I thought was a stunningly uh, 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 frightening thought, but also probably true. Uh, you're saying basically, I guess, we act out of habit and routine. And uh, as a hospital chaplain, I've noticed that... Uh, there's nothing like a critical disease or a major accident to jar us out of our habitual routine and get us to thinking again. Um, but it's too bad to have to go through something like that. Is there some way you think we can get people to spend more time um, thinking, thinking the big thoughts, looking at the big picture? I think that's where I think that's where reality. I think that's where we are going right now. You know, I like to say, I like to think of dreams kind of as like the way movies are made and where technology is going. So like dreams are always so fuzzy to us because we are the only person thinking about them. And if we, if we have emotional stressful responses to life and during the day, then we're going to have emotional responses to stress at night during our dreams. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the reason why we are all dreaming this reality or is because we're all thinking about this. We are all thinking about this reality. So if I have the ability to dream a new future, then I just have to get enough people to think about that reality in order for us to be thinking about that. And then once we all start thinking about that collectively, then we start moving towards that reality. We're doing it right now. It's just that people don't realize they're doing it. So, the reason why I've made my life about, you know, being successful, teaching other people how to be successful is because unfortunately our, our society is controlled by money and now it's being controlled by technology. So the more a person with some willpower can get a hold, you know, and can, can do things with money and can do things with technology in a positive manner for the world, the better the world would ultimately be. You know, the reason why the world is being run right now is because we have a certain society that was built on a monetary system, and then you have the same people that built that system telling people that money is bad and money is the root of all evil and work a nine-to-five job. You know, it's just this perpetual cycle of of, of keeping people in this trap of not believing in God and not believing in themselves. Mm. I believe that our minds are constantly 
chattering, but they're not necessarily thinking. They're not necessarily communicating with that God that's inside all of us. And so many of us communicate with God inside all of us. But the only time that we would actually be thinking to where it would be is if it's something that changes our life. We go against what is being said in our head and we move forward outside of what our body and our mind and everything was already used to doing. And the more you do that, the more you are going to reach your goal and the more obstacles you're going to come up against. So what we're doing as a company is we are helping, we we are just constantly giving back. We built our company off a of philosophy of giving back in an exchange for giving back and helping people build a new life for themselves and make money in a completely different way than they were before, we want to give them a message, you know. And, you know, our, our trademark is share, shop, earn. I wanted our trademark to be, do you think they'll listen now? Because <laughs> I believe that we can get people to listen. Bernie Sanders is doing more for the world right now than any independent ever has in a race and it's not because of NBC or Fox. It's because of Facebook and Instagram. We have yes. the technology that is building up a voice for us. But right now, there's not a leader at the head of that voice. Like, you know, the Internet is definitely evolving and technology is evolving. But, and I'm not talking about means by government. I mean means by leadership and means by ethics. We need Somebody, we need a company, a person, a group of individuals that are willing to take control of the value of technology and say, we all need to move in the exact same direction. We need to take, instead of this company spending hundreds of billions of dollars trying to pump out cell phones, and then this company spending hundreds of billions of dollars to pump out flat screen TVs, and then you have these people over here who have medical technology and they are begging for help. You know what I'm saying? They are begging mm -hmm. for investors. They are begging for people to just take a look at what they have that can save the world, that can rid people of cancer, that can, you know, stop uh, the, the problems with the water, stop all this, and they get absolutely no support because of the same society. My generation, the millennials, we have, and the people, the kids, our children, we have the ability to take this technology that has been built for us and do very, very, very powerful, awesome things with it. But so more leaders have to stand up. More people have to stand up and say, this is the direction we need to go. Let me ask you uh Personal question, Jason. You mentioned that you had a, a mild autism. I, the last time I went to uh, get my hair cut, the woman who was cutting my hair cut it way shorter than I usually wear it because she was expounding on this theory. And her theory was the reason that there are more and more children being born with autism in the world is because God intends for those children to take a new point of view, a new perspective on the world. And she thinks that it's a blessing. Her her own son is autistic, but she sees amazing things in, in him as well. I, I wonder if you could talk to that. Yeah, you know, um, 
one of my nephews is a uh, a lower functioning and a lower functioning form of autism, but that's what they told him he was when he was born. And he talked late. He spoke to everybody late. He had problems spelling. And now he's hitting the 11, 12 age, and you can't even tell. You can't tell at all. It's beautiful. He lives his life like every other child. He goes to school. He participates in class. And he's going to keep getting better. And the beautiful thing is his mind still actively works on problem-solving the exact same way. Mm. I believe exactly what that what that lady was saying, um, the lady that was cutting your hair. I believe yeah. exactly what she was saying because we are being taught a new way of living. Now, autism is has to do with the way proteins and synapses connect in the brain. So you're going to have high-functioning autistics like I believe Mark Cuban is as well. You know, I believe uh, Mark Zuckerberg probably is as well. Um, if you have these same, you can, somebody could get an F, I'm not, wait, I'm not going to tell anybody to get like an fMRI. You can find <laughs> a way, you can find out the way your brain functions. And you can also find out what problems that you have with your brain and if there's different directions or different medications that you can take, depending on how your brain functions. My brain functions at the rate of a high-level autism. Uh, whenever it comes to problem-solving, whenever it comes to, and I, we can all see it in my work ethic. I guess you could call it the entourage of people that I have that work with me. I, even right now, as we're sitting here going through this conversation, my brain is constantly working on thousands of different scenarios and different situations in which I can apply what it is that I'm saying coming out of my mouth right now. And I don't know if that even has, you know, that part could have the connection with what I experienced growing up and being socially dyslexic and just problem solving and then growing out of things the way that I've seen my nephew Sam do. Or if it has also to do with what I experienced a few years ago in the hospital. I was um, when I, when she told me that I was thinking maybe there's something that happens if you feel detached from the normal flow of things. And in your uh, in your writing, you talk about um, it's important to spend time alone, and you also uh, talk about the the impact Buddhism had on you. Oh, those those are all things that could are tangentially related to the state of autism, aren't they? Correct. You know, and whenever it comes down to it, even if you even if so, whenever the synapses create connecting with other synapses in the brain for messages to be transmitted throughout the brain, any of those things that are connecting those links in the brain can be affected in multiple ways. They can be depleted of a protein. They can be uh, be overworked with a certain protein. But what it's going to do at the end of it all is it's going to disconnect or connect you to reality in a certain way. So at the very base of autism or Asperger's, it's, it's taking in information differently and expressing that information to the world differently. And so 
what some people see as a disorder is exactly what she was saying. I believe autism is an answer to the world because the first thing that we do whenever we find out someone has traces of autism is we immediately start giving them medications. I was pumped with so many different medications when I was child for many different things, so many different things. I was, I remember when I was a kid taking dozens of prescription pills every single day for all of these disorders that people were telling me that I had. And I don't see, I don't see children, I don't see parents doing that to their children these days. Uh, at least not as much. And I definitely would never think of giving my daughter a pill because she jumps up and says, hi, daddy, really loud. And then whenever she goes and she hits her arm on the table and she cries and then it hurts her feelings, I would never give her a pill for that, you know? And, and all, and whenever she says, I want to be alone, I would never give her a pill for that. Yeah, I absolutely. We need, to, we need to spend a little bit more time alone. We spend way too much in society, way too much time in society. And wasn't it you yesterday? You were saying that, uh, can you share what you were telling me yesterday about post-traumatic stress disorder? Um, you know, we should continue this conversation in a, at a different, where we've run out of time for today. Okay. And I wanted you to mention a couple of your books that people could get. Okay, cool, cool. Well, let's see, uh, you know, I just rewrote uh, Breaking Point, which is a book about, uh, I took parts of a couple of different books I was working on, and I wrote about my experiences with racism as a child, um, some business, different business perspectives, uh, my theories about the law of attraction, and I wrote a little bit about fitness. And then uh, I, I rewrote it, and I put out the better edition. Um, and and so Breaking Point Better Edition is a really good one. And then I also have a couple of illustrated features because I'm taking my life in a, a more creative direction and I want to start working on movies and cartoons and illustrated books. So if if somebody has the stomach for humor, then they can check out uh, uh, either Where's Willis or Everybody Poops in Their Pants. So that, Thanks. those are the books I'm pointing. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Uh, so be sure to look for Jason's books on Amazon or Kindle. If you'd like to listen to this show again or any uh, other of our previous programs, please visit our website at nderadio.org. For more information about IANS, go to their website, iands.org. And there'll be information on that site about our upcoming July conference in Orlando. I look forward to seeing you all there. Thank you, Jason. Uh, this is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.